Quickly down, Visar trailing, will take it off to Love. Love drives into the lane, lob it for Visar who puts it in. Watch me off to Anderson, back to Love. Love down right of the lane, rolls it in, counted, and he's fouled. Off to Boswell, out to the top of the key, fires a three, and that is good from Kylan Boswell. Caleb will throw it to a running Johnson, and Keyshawn over the head, jammed with two hands. And Borovich in the rebound for the Wildcats, Ada Martinez. Bounce pass to Lewis, what a pass, what a dunk. Hello and welcome to Biased, an Arizona basketball podcast. I am your host, Ricky Garrett, here with... Ed Bardo here, live from Indianapolis, where I wish we'd had a better story to tell you as an Arizona fan. <laughs> yeah, so unfortunately, we have to do a somber podcast because Arizona did lose to Purdue 92-84 to in what was a pretty incredible game. But before we get into the game and the stats and whatnot, uh, Ed and my brother are both in Indianapolis, and I just wanted to have their impressions here first of what Indianapolis was like. Uh, Ed, go ahead and take it away and tell us about your experience in Indianapolis. Absolutely. So one of the things I'll tell you, even though uh, even though the outcome of the game was perhaps different than us Wildcat fans wanted, the adventure here of coming out to Indianapolis to see it, fantastic, utterly amazing. The city itself, very nice, I have to say. It's been a while since I've been here, but uh, I've got to say the the city where Arizona won, its, won the 97 championship certainly was a welcoming city, nice, really fantastic and then also as it worked out there's a Colts game going on here almost simultaneously or simultaneously as the uh, Arizona Purdue game going on so quite uh, busy in the center of the city with a lot of activity a lot of folks and fans out for all both the NFL and for college basketball interesting enough you did there was a game beforehand between I think Indiana State and Ball State you really didn't see anybody no fans from those teams really out on the street, but the Arizona fans did show up, actually had a event before the game um, that was quite nice, that if you check out our uh, feed, you could actually take a look at uh, some of those photos of that event and some of the comments some of the folks made. But overall, just nice to see the fans out here, nice to come out to see a, a top-level game, and uh, Indianapolis, a great city to do that in. Yeah, and I think for the Purdue fans, it was a, a great environment, and props to all of them for showing out. It sounded like there probably was maybe six, seven to one Arizona fans. Uh, <laughs> oh, my goodness. What they, I mean, they showed up in force. It was uh, uh, the Purdue fans did come out to come support their team, which was amazing to see, lots of them. And in general, I'd have to say, you know, with us uh, showing our colors and stuff and a lot of the Arizona fans out there, I would say that no one felt like they were being accosted or, you know, nothing like that. It was very professional as a and very sportsmanlike in the environment. And when you uh, went into the arena there, it was very vertical, very vertical. And so you're like looking straight down at the at the uh, um, at the court and it was easily uh, I don't know it was easily uh, maybe a 30 to 1 uh, Purdue to Arizona fan ratio but uh, made for a great environment absolutely and you could feel that on TV it felt electric and even the commentators are saying you know this atmosphere is amazing this is great for college basketball and of course we're on the wrong side of it but it was great for college basketball it really was a hard-fought game between two powerhouses this is one of those games where you you don't really feel like you know anything bad's happening to the team that lost. You know, no matter what happens, somebody's got to win, somebody's got to lose. But either way, it was a hard fought game. 
No, absolutely. And one of the things that I would say about this game is that both teams needed a game like this before, you know, in, in this early on in the season in December before the before uh, the new year comes. Uh, it's towards the end of non-conference play now. You get a top matchup like this going on. Um, great for both teams. And I needed to see what I needed to see at Arizona. I, I knew there was a good chance we weren't going to come out victorious in this. But one of the things I needed to see is that they that there was fight in them. And for oh, well, for a stretch there, I thought that was not going to be the case. For a stretch, it looked like Purdue might pull away and that we might give up and that we not, might not have any fight left in us. But that's indeed not what happened. Team did put up a, a, a valiant fight and uh, and so forth. And though things weren't going their way and there were some challenges, made it a good game. Yeah, so Arizona's biggest struggles today, I think, were on the defensive end. Uh, I think that's pretty clear to see the way Arizona guarded Purdue's guards and Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer. And then um, just the way Arizona couldn't rebound defensively. It just felt like on the defensive side, they really struggled, at least in the first half and maybe part of the beginning of the second half, until Tommy Lloyd decided to employ a zone for the first time this year. In which case it actually worked. Arizona started turning Purdue over and getting points, and they went on this huge run where they were down 17 points and ended up cutting it down to four. And they did that a couple times. So talk about the defensive struggles and what you guys saw there in Indianapolis. Yeah, I would say one of the things is that uh, I saw an interview earlier with Matt Painter and stuff, and he pretty much had predicted how Arizona was going to handle, how we were going to deal with uh, um, Zach Eady and so forth. And I think they were probably a little better prepared than we were for what what we were going to see. And so one of the challenges, of course, is no one, because uh, you have Zach Eady on your team, one of the things that you're going to do is that uh, it takes a lot of the air out of the room because that's where a lot of focus tends to be, a lot of focus on that. And sometimes you, your concentration on trying to control Zach changes the way of the focus on what you might do with other folks. And so in this case, it was the others <laughs> that stepped up and really, uh, really took uh, care of things. And uh, three-point shooting ended up becoming a critical factor because when it comes down to it, as much at times with us being down 17 and with the way the game flowed, when you look at the final statistics of the game, you're hard-pressed to see any statistic that jumps out to you that was different. It even came down to down to the number of overall shots even started to even out to where the number of overall shots Purdue had was 65 and Arizona 62, but the field goal slight difference in field goal percentage and three-point shooting made the difference. Yeah, and it just felt like any time Purdue needed a big shot, they got it, and it was always a three, right? They, you know, whether it was Fletcher Lawyer or Braden Smith, they would hit those back-to-back threes, and Arizona's, you know, within four, and then all of a sudden now it's back up to ten. Well, Arizona cuts it back down to four, and then there comes some more threes. Uh, well, you and, knew this was a high-level game that way too, because think about that. I mean, both teams shot over fifty percent field goal percentage. Oh yeah, I mean that must you guys sure felt that in the arena. Uh, how high level this like game they was? Couldn't miss, yeah. yeah, yeah, you could. I mean, you could really sense the uh, loyalty, the the home fans, and everything. Really, really, were into it. Really loud. You know, we were wearing uh, Apple watches and stuff with the noise warnings, and you could see the decibels <laughs> up there quite high. It was uh, a lot of support there, as you would expect. So let's talk about some of these stats here. So as you mentioned, you know, field goal percentage pretty much the same. Uh, Three point percentage. Uh, you know, Arizona shot what thirty eight percent. And to produce 42, um, Purdue ended up making four more three-pointers, which you felt – it felt like uh, Purdue made more than 10. I don't know why. It, 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 it did. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
As far as the turnovers, they were tied at 13. Again, it felt like Arizona was just turning the ball over left and right in that first half because we started off so strong, you know, passing the ball. It was all the passes were crisp that we were finding the open man. We were getting dunks, you know, Caleb Love, Keisha Johnson, everybody was getting into the action and it felt like Arizona was just going to run away. And then all of a sudden turnover, turnover, turnover. And you give momentum like that to a team like Purdue and they're going to seize it, especially with the home environment. Yeah, and it was interesting. It's like two of the more consistent players that we have, the ones that we really came to count on. And I mean, as uh, as uh, Kirk Kreese was leaving, one of the things that made us feel comfortable about his, his departure was the fact that we had, uh, you know, we knew that Kylan Boswell would be just fine taking the helm and managing things. And, but Kylan struggled a bit there to start. And then and the other one being Pella Larson. I mean, he normally just pretty solid, great defender. He manages to bring you a, a kind of a, a bit of offense that you weren't counting on there that he manages to do it in an interesting way. And he, plus he gets fouled a lot, but Pellet ends up becoming a turnover machine in this game, getting five turnovers and really just seemed out of sync the whole game. Yeah. And more importantly, he didn't jack up a single three pointer, which is shocking. You think at yeah. one point during the game, he would at least take one attempt, but not even a shot. Yeah. It just seemed to it, it, I give, you know, I don't want to be one of those folks that when they're talking about a game that they're afraid to admit that the other team did something right to help contribute to that. And I have to say, I felt that the perimeter defense that was played by Purdue was pretty darn good because a lot of the times when it, either Caleb Love or, uh, you know, Kylan wanted to shoot a three or Pella wanted to shoot a three, there was somebody there. There was somebody there. A lot of the time there was. I was watching and saying, they're doing a pretty good job because they're having to think twice about it. Even when Caleb was shooting and he was, uh, uh, he did quite a job at that, he had to take a few with someone in his face. So if I had told you that Arizona finished the game with 13 turnovers, had 24 assists on 32 made field goals, made six three-pointers, and had 40 points in the paint, on any other given day, you would have thought Arizona won that game handily, right? Won big. That's what you would have thought. <laughs> so that just talks about thought. or talks to the the beast that is Purdue. And, you know, I will admit going into it, I thought Arizona had the huge advantage, which is ironic because they have Edie. Uh, but I thought Bala was going to be able to contain Edie. I thought Crevis being out there, it would at least frustrate him. You knew Edie was always going to get his points, but I thought – at least our guards would would do well against their guards. You know, we have Caleb Love, Kylan Boswell, Pell Larson. That's a, a pretty sweet perimeter. And I thought our guys would at least handle the the outside. Unfortunately, there seemed like there was a lot of miscommunication on defense. Guys weren't 100% sure whether or not they were supposed to switch or, or maybe they were calling out switch, but it was so loud in the arena you couldn't hear the call out. Uh, it just seems like there was a lot of confusion on defense. And so what ended up happening is, we leave, you know, Fletcher Lawyer or Braden Smith wide open for threes, and you can't do that with these guys because they are such sharp shooters, especially when they have that home crowd behind them and the momentum and, and just the feeling of the crowd getting so excited. Uh, it, it just got tough for Arizona on defense. It certainly did, but one of the things I'll say is to just get down to uh, kind of drill in a bit on what uh, you were talking about there. If I compare the big guy performance, Balo got schooled. Yeah. Simple as that. Watching it over and over again, he seemed tired. He seemed w completely worn out. He was slow. He couldn't handle the ball. And then 
all Zach Eady did basic moves to just score over him. That's all he did. When it started out, it looked like things were going well because uh, the defense was working pretty good, and with the double teaming and so forth, um, Zach didn't score any much in the in the first half for, for the most part. But then he got it. They, they got into a groove. They got the ball to him right, and he he literally he would just take a single step, bump Ballo, and then score easily over him. It was almost no effort to score on Ballo. It, it was amazing to watch. And Krivas was so bad as he was almost like a leaf in the way. You could just see he just push him down like he's not even there and then just go, go over him. So they could, he couldn't play much. Yeah, it was just one bump and there's the layup for Edie. And he's so good at that it, little it was, hook it, shot that it's almost it, automatic. It was, it, he was almost like he was in practice mode. Yeah, he didn't, he really didn't have a defender on him at times, and so uh, it was night and day difference between watching Ballo as a big guy and watching Zekidi as a big guy. I have to say, from seeing that right there, do you think it's tough to officiate a guy like Edie, almost like it was to officiate a guy like um, Shaq because they're just so big and so strong, and you know, they're it's it's their nature to to bump you, and when they bump you versus when a typical center bumps you, maybe you don't you know, fall back. But when a guy like Edie bumps you, maybe you fly back further. Um, I don't know. It just feels like it's hard to officiate him because on the Arizona side, we were thinking, okay, Edie should get a bunch of fouls because he's going to have to be really physical with Balo with Crevis. Uh, but I, I don't feel like those calls were coming. Whereas on the other end, it felt like no matter what happened with Edie, he was getting the call and a bunch of and ones. Yeah, and I would have to say he he in in the end and stuff fouls didn't really end up defining the game. There were a couple of people I think who got four, including Pella Larson or yep. something. But mm-hmm. in the in the end, their fouls really didn't define the game. And free throw shooting was fairly even. I would say it wasn't a big factor. I, the the thing was is that there's I remember a while back the first time someone had mentioned this to me or announcer had mentioned this as they were covering a game talking about the fact that if you're a very prominent player that often when it comes to trying to figure out how to call would they have someone tough to uh, cover they sometimes err on the side of okay this is the big player this is the big, it's got to be on the other guy right right and to some extent that's an issue but in the many cases he really didn't follow me he just did this he did the normal thing where you use your body to just uh, move the guy and then you just score over him and it was easy yeah. It was just too easy. He didn't need to uh, foul to get over Ballo. That was <laughs> right. the beauty of it is he didn't need to foul. And in some cases, he just literally moved him out of the way. Yeah, I, w- I was under the impression Ballo would have been able to hold up better, but he couldn't. He couldn't even handle him. Yep. So I had this debate with a couple of guys on Twitter, uh, Arizona fans, and I was just curious to hear your take on this. Uh, I felt that maybe after the first five minutes of the first half um, and then maybe 10 minutes into the second half that Tommy Lloyd was being outcoached. I thought that Matt Painter had a a wonderful game plan and he knew Arizona couldn't guard the perimeter and he was just going to that back and back and back in time again. And um, until Tommy Lloyd made the change to play zone in which Arizona had more success and obviously cut that 17 point lead down to four, I thought Tommy Lloyd was a little outcoached, and I love Tommy Lloyd. I'm not saying I don't love Tommy Lloyd. He's been an amazing coach for Arizona, and so this isn't a huge knock on him, but it just it felt that way in the game. What did you think? And and I, it was more than just feeling that way. We were calling it out. It was it was no doubt. We were saying it straight out as we were watching that, that that's what's happening right now, is that 
we there was a lot of discussion we had about that before the game about who would come more with a better game plan and of course as you saw previously there was a lot of discussion including from the espn caster uh casters who were uh watching the previous game about how well tommy and his team prepare for this but in this case it was a total opposite effect we were it was absolutely clear that wasn't how the players were playing it was how we were set and how we were prepared to handle it one coach was ready and had his team ready the other did not they, they were and the attempt to try to react because they weren't ready was very very clear it was coaching we knew yeah and like i said the first five minutes you would think tommy lloyd had the better game plan because his guys were getting wide open dunks we were passing the ball around shots were going in arizona was building a small lead but it felt like Arizona was enforcing their will against Purdue. They were saying, hey, we're going to play physical. We're going to run up and down the court. We're going to get the shots we want. We know you're going to Edie. And the fact that we held Edie to, what, eight first-half points was pretty amazing. Edie still affected the game. I'm not saying that he played poorly and only had eight points because he disrupts so many shots. He does so many things that you can't really keep track of stat-wise that you know he was still a factor. But he wasn't a factor as much as we thought he would be in that first half. And I thought Arizona played really well in that first half on Edie. But then I don't know that Tommy accounted for what Brain Smith and Fletcher Lawyer could do. And to me, I've watched Fletcher Lawyer play, and I know he's a good guard. Uh, but to see him get 27 points, <laughs> you know, I didn't expect that. I expected Braden Smith and Edie to do their thing. Fletcher Lawyer, to me, came out of nowhere and just couldn't miss. I mean, the threes were wide open. But then the guy was running and doing floaters and banking them in. And Tommy Lloyd himself said, I'm not saying that those were lucky, but if you have to pick your poison against the other team and you know that, what that, they're going to do. That, but they, that would that would have been okay and stuff. It's just what happened is it, it normally you, 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 when Purdue goes off or something like Fletcher maybe does, but Braden maybe does. But the fact that both of them did, okay, so both of them mm -hmm. almost scored the same number of points, 27, 26, right. uh, said and done, and they end up being the high scorers for the team. But so many of them were easy, and also the threes were almost always unguarded. It yep. was hard to take. It got to the point. See, one of the things, too, is that, uh, you know, the there was a lot of dropping down and doing help defense on Edie. That was clear. You could see that was what they were doing. And they were positioning themselves such that they couldn't get the perimeter in time. And it was there was a lot of uh, you could see a lot of that uh, where the hedging on the on the coaching and what the thought the game plan was is how to contain him. And too much was focused on that. But and then there started to become a realization too. Edie started to realize when he came on the offensive side, gosh, follows not that hard to go. I saw him wave off the help def help defense several times. Right. You know that? Yeah. When he was going when he was going against Ballas, he goes, I got this. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, he does. He does. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's just frustrating because and I saw uh David Blattman on Twitter put this out and said, White guys in the Big Ten are Arizona's kryptonite. <laughs> 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 just because they end up popping off like this, they shoot the ball really well. And it's just, you know, we all know what happened with Wisconsin in 2014, 2015. And now you got Lawyer and Smith doing the similar thing to Arizona. Uh, it's just, it's tough. It's hard to watch because you know Arizona's better defensively. They just, they seem lost in that first half. And once you start digging that hole, it's, it's tough to get out of it. And I know Arizona got it down to four. But it, it's still just hard to climb all the way back, and, and Arizona just couldn't do it. It is. And one of the things, that I, I think that it was a real 
uh, issue for us to have two of the glue guys or two of the guys that really help trigger our fast runs, uh, our breaks too, uh, out, of, out of the game really, not really playing well. So Kylan Boswell is a critical factor often. And when we start a, a major run or something like that, he's typically an uh, ignition point and stuff that helps that. And he helps get, get that fired up, but he's a real emotional player. So having him sit on the bench for most a good portion of the game tells you how that's going to work. And then Paula yeah. Larson just... I mean, he just was not having, I think frustration was starting to kick in and that's probably why he ended up with so many fouls too, but he just wasn't done. Yeah. I mean, he hurt his hand. He got hit in the gut. He's on the floor. Who knows how many times yet again? <laughs> I mean, we got to start keeping track of that stack because he was. So I got, I got an idea. We were discussing that here and I was thinking, you know, we're going to start some fun betting stats that uh, I think people enjoy. And one of the things I want to do is start to get folks on online to start making their guesses. To, and we're going to start with a new Pella hits the floor counter that we're going to announce before, after each game and see <laughs> who gets close to guessing how many times he gets on the floor. I love it. We'll, we'll start that up. We'll keep track of that. Um, let's go over some quick stats here. Uh, some bright and shiny stars for Arizona was Caleb Love, 29 points on 9 of 19 shooting, 4 for 9, 7 for 7 from let's the free go. throw line. Four for nine from three, excuse me. Uh, Pella Larson with 10 points, five for seven from the field, which on paper is great. But he had those four personal fouls and five turnovers, which were rough. Uh, Kylan Boswell with eight or six points, excuse me, three for nine from the field, 0 for four from three. Uh, you just felt like he was struggling, and, and that's what you just mentioned. Umar Balo with 13 points, six for nine from the field, uh, six rebounds. Again, it felt like he was being manhandled by Edie. And then you have, and Kishan. he sat on thirteen for a long time. He did. He sat on thirteen for a long time. Yep. Keisha Johnson, twenty-four points, eight for thirteen from the field, and two for two from three-point land. Uh, when he started knocking those threes, you. and I said, "Here we go. Here's the X factor. He's here." To give that guy the X factor award, or the, the he was he, previously. I mean, even for a guy who took, you know, helped get his team to the national championship game, here was a guy just known for his defense. And people have been mentioning all year this. He's got a new dimension to him where he's scoring offense. Twenty four points in a top five, five matchup. Give that man the X factor award. Yeah, absolutely. He played so well, and I was just thrilled. Uh, you know, running the fast breaks, getting the dunks. His defense was outstanding, uh, shooting threes and making both of them. And, you know, great job to Keyshad, and we we owe a lot to him for for playing well in this game because there was a point where Arizona could have easily been blown out by 25-plus. Um, and He's in one of the things, and we have to shout out to the guy, of course, who just refused to stop, and that was uh, Caleb Love. There's yeah. the guy who, in the midst of everything else, he took it on his shoulders to do to shoot lights out and just throw everything as many points as others scored and stuff. He ends up becoming the leading scorer of the whole game, and he just was he he just was your guy. He was just out there uh, making the shots, getting fouled, you, you name it. He was doing it. Yeah, you could sense. Caleb Love having that feeling of, okay, Kylan's not having a great game. My turn. You know, I got to take over. You know, I know this is a pass-first team. I know we're trying to, to, you know, do things the right way here, but I got to take over. I got to do my thing, and I appreciate that because last year Arizona didn't have that guy. You know, we thought maybe Tubelis would be that guy, but he never was in print against the Princeton team. He never once said, this is my game. I'm taking over. Watch out. Uh, Caleb Love said that, and boy, just 29 points. What more can you say? He he was there. I mean, he was helping keep us in it. It's just when we needed a critical basket, he was likely going to be the guy who was making it. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, amazing to see. 
So Ed and I talked about previously here our keys to the game, and we posted this on the Twitter account, our X account, uh, and we just wanted to go over some of these because a lot of them did not come to fruition. Uh, so my keys yeah. to the game were to be physical and set the tone early defensively, and I thought we did. I thought early we did. Uh, eventually the defense struggled, and then Purdue got their three-point shots, but I thought early we did set that tone. Uh, guard the non-EDs. That did not work. <laughs> Uh, two of the non-EDs <laughs> <I'll say. laughs> scored 53 points. Uh, or Yeah, 53. Uh, push the tempo and wear Purdue out. You know, Arizona, I thought, pushed the tempo pretty well. Uh, let's see here. Fast break points. Arizona had 17 fast break points. So, you know, I thought they did push the tempo. Uh, again, when you turn the ball over like that and you don't get the defensive rebound all the time, that doesn't help you push the tempo. Uh, but for the most part, I thought they did a good job. And then make your free throws. Arizona was fine at the free throw line. I have no complaints there. Uh, Ed, your yes. your keys to the game were control the fouls, especially on Edie. Yeah. So let me speak to these ones. Yeah. yeah so go control for it. the fouls, especially. Okay, we did that. We did okay, I think, on that. We and again, like I said, fouls. This isn't one of those games where you felt necessarily that um, you know we had players fouling out or that we ended up uh, having a substitute the big guys too much because of fouls. It just didn't happen that way. Ballo didn't get his first foul till fairly late in the first half, so it was not so much an issue. So I think we that worked out okay. Yep. Um, as a matter of fact, Edie ended up with more fouls than Balo did, I believe, but it was still, <laughs> it, it was it, that didn't turn out to be a factor in the game. The second one did, however. One of the things that was very, very clear uh, from previous games, too, is that for our size and effort, one of the things that we sometimes uh, have a little bit of an issue with and we get behind on is rebounding. And I knew that rebounding would be very, very critical because I've watched Purdue play before, and I, I recognize how much they end up with a big margin in this space, primarily because of one guy, but uh, um, I knew that this could be an issue because you don't want to give second-chance points, particularly when guys are shooting threes, um, if that's going to be the case. But uh, as you know, eventually it kind of evened out a bit, but uh, we ended up dropping behind on the offensive boards, and uh, that ended up being one of the ones that I think drove uh, the uh, that became a really big issue. Don't let the others beat you. This is similar to what you said. Guard the, guard the non-EDs and stuff. I said, you know, if you could if you could let Edie go off on you a bit, that's fine, but just don't let the others beat you and stuff, and you still can win because you'll have enough guys who score in the double double digits. You still win. Well, and to that touch on this happen. really quick before you go to the next one, we had talked about this in the last podcast. If Edie gets 20-something points, Arizona has a really good chance to win. If you Edie win. gets 35 points, maybe not. <laughs> You do this thing, you win. I said it before. If you get, you don't, you let him stay between about twenty and thirty, and you, you know, he's going to get those points. You can't stop that. You still win. Yeah. If you do this one thing, that's why I wanted to include it in here as a point before the game started. That did not happen, as we know decisively. That did not happen. Right. And then one of the things I think that even more than the statistics shows was turnover margin. It probably wouldn't have included margin as much. wasn't the factor. It was more the timing of the turnovers that we had. It ended every momentum. The momentum we had and the chance we had to break it open or the chance we had to get it even were killed by turnovers. Yeah, I'd say the two or three times we got it to within four points, we had some kind of a charge call, some kind of a you know, pass out of bounds or something. It just, it was just the worst timing on those turnovers because yeah, Arizona is going to turn their ball over. You know, that's the way their offense is. We're so fast and we push the ball and that's just the way it is. But yeah, you're right. The timing of those turnovers were just clutch because 
Arizona was trying to get back into it and they were on a roll, you know, they had that huge run to get it from 17 to four. And you just thought, okay, momentum is swinging in Arizona's favor. And then boom, a charge call. It's like, we uh, just let that, yeah, that was it. That was pretty much how the timing of them was just in the worst possible chance. And so you just never felt the wave building up and the momentum being able to get any traction because of simple things like that. So, um, you know, you hate to be right about how critical these points are, but you know, that's kind of helps to say, hey, this is, as everybody says after a game, particularly when you lose it, this is a learning opportunity. Yep. Well, I guess we can transition to, to what's next and what does Arizona have to learn from this game? You know, we've got another game coming up really quickly here on the 20th against Alabama. So unfortunately, I have to use this pun, but the train keeps on going. And uh, <laughs> now we're going up against <laughs> Alabama and then next FAU. But what does Arizona learn from a game like this? You know, if you're a Kylan Boswell or a Pell Larson or, or even just I, as I a think, team. I think right now, you know, the lessons are going to be a bit raw and the time before the next game is just, a few, you know, it's not that many days before you have to jump on. You have to get back to Arizona, first of all, and then you have to get prepped up. Not a whole lot of time. I hope they, they can put it behind them and not dwell on this and uh, and, you know, start to put a game plan together for Alabama and get ready for it. You just don't have time to dwell on this one. Yeah, I, I put a tweet out on the uh, on X for biased, and I said, I feel bad for Alabama because my hope is that Arizona will come out and just destroy Alabama and take it out on them say, hey, we didn't have our best game against Purdue. Sorry, Alabama, but you're going to get it. <laughs> I hope so. And, well, I mean, the reality is, too, is that uh, – um, if Arizona ends up winning their next two games and stuff, that's going to be a good year. I mean, oh, it's going to be a good wrap up of the year. And that will, it, but it was sooner or later and it was fair. And I actually saw, you know, several folks who were uh, online on uh, the several sport outlets saying that if Arizona manages to go uh, three and one. And that was before we played uh, Wisconsin. That would be considered a top notch performance by any team considering who they're playing. Yeah. Absolutely. I think when we first started the podcast for this season, uh, you and I were talking about it. And I think you said Arizona was probably going to win one or lose one game in this whole stretch. And so you you may end up being right, because if Arizona can put away Alabama and FEU, then that is a great non-conference. I hope so, and I hope we don't get into a funk. I think that, again, the the thing that made me think that that's not the case and the reason is that we showed fight when we got down 17. Yep. Okay, and that we didn't just roll over and die in a, in a hostile environment. So yep. that, that, that was very, very pleased with that. That told me a whole lot about what we're made up of. Well, and you remember last year when Balo had his, his sickness at ASU and it was just a rough game, uh, oh, and ASU yeah. came back. Uh, even though they didn't win that game, Arizona was in a funk. And then that's when you lose a home game to Washington State, right? And it wasn't even close. That game was a blowout. So, yeah, yeah. you hope that this doesn't carry over. You hope that Arizona has, you know, short-term memory and they can, you know, learn from the mistakes that were made. And Tommy Lloyd, I'm sure, will be going over that in practice. Tommy Lloyd himself said he's excited to get back to Tucson, start practicing and get ready for Alabama. And that he loves this group, and and good for him for saying that because, yeah, this is a great group. Uh, but, yeah, you hope they have that short-term memory and that they can focus on Alabama and start doing the things they did well uh, and and just continue that because they are a great team. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. 
And that's it. Neither Alabama nor Florida Atlantic are going to sit there and pine over what you did at Purdue or what you didn't do. They're not going to care. They're all after to make sure that they get a quality win, a quad one win. So we need to be prepared. We need to be uh, not dwelling on the past. We just need to be working out to finish out the year strong. Yeah. Alabama and Florida Atlantic are not going to be sorry for us. <laughs> They're not going to feel that's bad. That's right. They are ready. They they desperately, particularly Alabama lately, needs, to, needs a, a serious quad one win. So <laughs> Yep, yep. And then I saw a Purdue fan earlier today, which most of them have been just fine. But one of them said, I'd rather or I'd be more afraid of Marquette or, or one of these other teams in Arizona. I'd rather play Arizona again multiple times. I was like, eh, <laughs> I think if Arizona and Purdue played this game multiple times, I would bet that Arizona could win six or seven of them at least. The majority of them, I would say. Yeah. So, well, our keys to the game kind of flopped, and unfortunately Arizona did not get the win. But what's next? We have Alabama on Wednesday, so we look forward to the Cats bouncing back, rebounding, if you will. Uh, hopefully that's true. Hopefully they do get rebounds. Uh, but I think it's going to be a great game in Phoenix. Again, the environment will be much more friendly to Arizona because it's in Phoenix. So we'll have all the Arizona fans out there. Uh, Ed and myself will be out there in Phoenix. So it'll be fun to do a, a live podcast, our first live podcast together, and uh, hopefully celebrating an Arizona win in Phoenix over Alabama. And then December 23rd, Arizona plays FAU to wrap up the non-conference and finally get into some gameplay in the Pac-12. So... What are you looking forward to over the next two games, Ed, and then maybe a little bit into the Pac-12? Well, without a doubt, number one, of course, is being back in a kind of that quote-unquote neutral environment and getting a chance to join you to do this live and, and, and enjoy that along with what's certainly to be a, a packed uh, Arizona fan base there in uh, in Phoenix. Also, just being the fact that uh, normally you have the, you know, the big game and then you kind of go to some... Uh, Division two schools or something afterwards or whatever, some of the lower level talent and stuff, but having a continuous slate to where you don't even get a chance to catch your breath and it just keeps going, loving it. That's what I'm looking forward to is the fact that we get to finish out the year going against some top-notch talent. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Arizona gaining that experience. You know, playing cupcake teams in the non-conference is, is fun to get those big wins, but it doesn't teach you anything. Uh, I think Arizona is going to learn quite a bit from this Purdue game, and then I think they will learn quite a bit uh, from Alabama and FAU. Uh, And they already have from their previous wins uh, against Duke, Michigan State, and Wisconsin as far as big wins. So these are great games to help, you know, build that confidence um, and also to learn and take that into March with you because that's what this is all about. Tommy Lloyd himself said, I don't care if we're ranked number one in December. You know, that doesn't mean anything to me. I want to be ranked one in March. Or in April. Oh, April, yes. <laughs> yeah. April and, works. And, to, and, and the, the reality is, is this is, a, this it's, we do sooner or later that, uh, you know, that we t- take a loss. I think uh, Purdue's a great team. It was, yeah. it was good. It's a, it's a, it was a good, lo- it was a good learning experience. It's in December. You've got a chance to feel it. You, that, you know, we've kind of put that behind us now. You've got that under your belt. Focus on the future. Let's, let's get, uh, let's work on getting better. A few flaws were ex- exposed during that game. Let's do something about that. That's right. Iron sharpens iron, and so Purdue helped us there. So let's let's just uh, get back to doing what Arizona does, but learn what we can from this loss and forget about it. (laughs) So, all right. Well, thank you all so much for listening to this podcast. This is one of our shorter ones, but we just wanted to touch base here because this was a great game. You know, all in all, sorry Arizona lost, but uh, it was a great game. Both fan bases were were loud. 
Uh, you could tell on the TV that it was a great environment. And I'm really, really excited that you and Johnny got to experience that. Uh, just what a fun environment to be in and what a great game to go to. And what a great city to experience it in, too, kind of with the homage to the fact that Arizona won the ch title here. But uh, fantastic environment, fantastic game, lots of great uh, sportsmanship and fans out here. Wonderful to be here. Well, fantastic. Well, guys, we'll see you next week, next Wednesday. Uh, we'll be watching the Arizona-Alabama game live in Phoenix, and then we'll do a live podcast together. So it'll be our first live podcast, so please uh, stay tuned for that. Um, otherwise, this is Biased, an Arizona basketball podcast. I am your host, Ricky Garrett, here with... Ed Bardo. We'll see you in, uh, see you in Phoenix, and uh, uh, I'm going to be back in Tucson tomorrow after broadcasting here live from Indianapolis. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. We really appreciate you. Stay tuned for the games that are coming up. Uh, follow us on X and listen to the podcast, and we'll catch you guys later. Love down right of the lane, rolls it in, counted, and he's fouled. Off to Boswell. Out to the top of the key. Fires a three, and that is good from Kylan Boswell. Caleb will throw it to a running Johnson, and key shot over the head, jammed with two hands. And Borovic in the rebound for the Wildcats. Head to Martinez. Bounce pass to Lewis. What a pass. What a dunk.